So we wanted to talk to you today about some work that the IS has been doing around challenging misogyny, um, and we uh, produced a report um, a couple of years ago that handled the agents of human records um, called Get It Right for Girls. Um, but we also do a wide range of work um, around women's and girls' equality, and we kind of thought we're only a fortnight on from International Women's Day, and on International Women's Day we produced a wee, very short animation, just a couple of minutes, um, about um, women's rights all over the world and misogyny um, sort of is one aspect of that. So we thought actually it's very timely, we'll just show you that. And then um, I'm going to sort of set the scene, tell you a wee bit about the IS's kind of understanding of misogyny, the context, where we think it derives from, some sort of strategies for action. Um, Aileen's going to talk a wee bit about what she's seeing in practice, um, and then we're going to obviously allow as much time as possible for you to chat among yourselves. Um, no conferences are here, um, the keynote speakers, and there's lots of listening, so obviously we're not going to do lots of talking. But we also do want to set the scene, so hope you're bear with us, we're not going to talk at you the whole time. Um, Sorry to that's okay, carry on. Um, and we will get you to um, get up and move around at some points as well. Um, so, yes, just we'll have us uh, start by looking at um, what we um, issued in International Women's Day. a wee bit of a flavour of the kinds of things that we are doing to promote uh, gender equality. And now, without any hitches, I hope to be able to just um, talk through a wee presentation. Um, I'm going to quiz through this quite quickly because I do want to maximise the time for you to talk to each other. You've all got a handout, um, and I'm also very happy to send on the slides to step. Um, for them to circulate to anyone who wants them and I'm also not at all precious about um, slides um, 
no intellectual property. So if you think actually I could adapt this and modify this and use this in my school in any way, once it's been circulated, feel free. Um, and in the, the version that's circulated, there's links to the research that's cited and so on. So hopefully it'll be useful for you. Um, so we're talking about why schools need to get it right for girls and the dangerous consequences of misogyny. Um, I'm going to talk about the definitions and the context, uh, what our concerns are, what um, we think the sources and the consequences of misogyny are, um, some of the drivers that exist for positive practice and some suggested strategies. But as I say, I will kind of whiz through, um, and I hope you'll, you'll forgive me for doing that thing, putting up a slide and then not reading the whole thing. Just There's the information, refer to it later. Um, so just to be clear about our terms, what are we actually talking about here? Well, misogyny is... Um, a sort of dislike for contempt uh, for belief in the inferiority of women um, and it's not really a, an individualistic thing it's not about some individuals who hate women it's about a society that kind of persistently places a lower value on women and girls than on men and boys um, and it's about men being the kind of default item and, and women and girls more as decorative objects who are maybe less than human who are inferior who are expendable and you see it in tiny tiny things and you see it in great you know big things you see it in um, the fact there's never enough women's toilets anywhere you go you know or that um public transport isn't designed around the needs of women with um, buggies and all those kind of things but you also see it in public policy and in a whole range of ways um, and it's obviously something that's prescribed by law, the Equality Act 2010 has gender, <coughs> rather, sorry, is a protected characteristic and the Equality Act obliges public authorities to, to try and challenge um, sex inequality uh, to prevent discrimination and promote equality um, and you obviously are all working by that um, we have been asked why are you focusing on women and girls, um, and there's a whole range of reasons to do that. Um, there's huge issues around pay disparities. Uh, there's a gender pay gap of 11% for uh, women, uh, women earning on average um, over £200,000 less over their lifetime than men, uh, more likely to be in poverty, and increasingly so as poverty kind of ramps up in the UK. Uh, women's pensions are only about half of men's, uh, so women are much more likely to live um, in poverty and then retire into poverty and spend the, the rest of their, their life in poverty. Um, we don't have equal access to power, so women are only, for example, um, 32%, but a third of um, MPs and about a, a third of MSPs, despite the Scottish Parliament being really found in equality, um, under a third of councillors. And there's actually more MPs uh, called John than there are women MPs. Um, we're not very many world leaders or judges or no, uh, newspaper editors in the UK for women. Um, and the EIS is really interesting in this particularly because our membership is 77% female uh, but women are very underrepresented in promoted posts and those of you in the, the secondary sector I think will be even more conscious of that um, and when there's a, a compounding with another protected characteristic for example coming from the ethnic minority uh, that becomes even more difficult so only 2% of all professors in the UK are black women um, so that's women who are facing kind of multiple barriers um, and we're seeing sexist attitudes um, sort of quite rife really in educational establishments and sexist behaviour uh, sexual harassment for example that we just published new advice on which is in your booklet um, there's a huge amount of data about that um, and girls are feeling held back by their sex um, and we would argue that all of this is really important because it has um, very serious uh, short and long term consequences uh, but also that if we get it right for girls we'll also improve life for boys and for men and for society as a whole you know this is about um, a societal kind of change that's needed um, so we did some focus group work uh, with uh, colleagues from across the education sector, um, all right across Scotland, every sector, um, and we found that um, teachers were seeing misogyny in young people's language, in their attitudes, in the way they misuse social media, um, in their bullying and harassment, uh, there was sort of gender policing um, of what's appropriate or okay for girls and boys, um, and we found high levels of violence against women and girls. And some of the experiences that colleagues shared in the focus groups were things like you know, a boy saying, I'd have to 
in the women playing football. You know, a primary one boy that was just bewildered to see women playing football. Or a lecturer telling us that uh, pupils and, and students and young people are, are kind of banding about words like slut. It's just part of the, the currency, but they don't know what it means. Um, that children were sort of doing a puzzle designed to confront stereotyping um, where the possibility is that the surgeon's a mum and everyone laughed because, you know, how could that be? Um, right through to something much more extreme, a secondary teacher who'd been called a fat effing whore by a pupil uh, and then when they'd taken that to senior management, the senior management said, well, that's the kind of thing they say, isn't it? You know, uh, no, that is not acceptable language. Um, and in misogynistic language, people seem to be more unsure about how to tackle that than racist language, for example. Um, there's been some new research that's been published since we put Get It Right for Girls Out. Uh, Girl Guiding Scotland published something called Girls in Scotland just in the last uh, couple of months. I would strongly commend to you finding that girls' everyday lives are experience, uh, you know, are affected by inequality. So 62% of girls 7 to 25 say they want to be a leader in their chosen field, uh, but they thought it would be harder. About nearly half of them thought it would be harder because they're female. Um, and a significant majority of girls uh, say they're treated differently because they're female. Um, and nearly a third of them are saying that's all, often or always. Um, and the charity Plan International UK did some research uh, that was published at the end of last year uh, about the extent of harassment girls are experiencing. We found that two out of three girls in the UK had been sexually harassed in public. And the bit I think that bothered me the most was the bit about 35% of girls wearing school uniform having been sexually harassed in public. So that's uh, harassing knowing this is a child uh, and I'm still going to target them for harassment. Um, so where do children learn about this kind of misogyny? Um, well, they learn about it from their peer networks, their sort of social networks in real life, from sort of family, friends and um, kind of people that are around often. Uh, but also their social networks um, and young people spend a vast amount of time online um, and it's very easy for them to fall into kind of looking at uh, content that is really not helpful, not appropriate and kind of solidifies gender norms. Um, but it's also in the toy shop where the, you know, the girls' aisle is all pink um, and it's also in the, the adverts and the you know, billboards about are you beach body ready, you know, there's the message to, to women that you, know, you need to have the right kind of body to go to the beach. Um, it's in the music lyrics they listen to, you know, the app TikTok that sort of primary age girls and early secondary age girls are all obsessed with. They're all listening to lyrics about being sexy and, you know, um, being available for men. And, and the, it's a kind of drip, drip, drip. So I would sort of describe it as a wallpaper to their lives and a kind of soundtrack to their lives. That there's this insidious kind of sexism that they hear and see all the time. Um, and they go clothes shopping and they see that the T-shirts targeted at boys say, little man, big ideas. And the one for girls says... Little girl, big smiles. You know, big, you know, big smiles. Look nice. Be, be amenable. Be well behaved. Be presentable. Be nice. But boys kind of big ideas. Um, or king of the castle. You know, where she's the uh, the pretty little thing. You know, so that's the kind of thing you find all the time. And any of you who are parents, I think, might you know be aware of that kind of thing. Um, the shoe in the corner, I think, is is um, worth pointing out because. <laughs> That's a, a ritual that um, every child goes through every term time, you know, or, or those who are lucky enough to go and get new shoes uh, for school. And Clark's shoe shop put out their um, shoes a couple of terms ago for the new term. And the girls' uh, sort of standard shoe that they were trying to target was called Dolly Babe. You could buy a Dolly Babe shoe, which is pictured there. The boys' shoe that term was called Leader. Um, so you could either buy a Dolly Babe or a Leader, depending on whether you were male or female. And you just think these tiny little things that they spot on the side of the box maybe don't even notice subliminally somewhere that's going in and someone somewhere in the industry is thinking let's have these different tracks 
for different humans based on their biology. It's just madness, really. Um, right from when they're babies. So, you know, the girl baby, I only date heroes, but the boy is a future man of steel. So all this sort of stuff is just... I think you see it, once you start seeing it, you can't stop seeing it. I'm obsessively taking photos in the supermarket and everything. Oh, look at this. And my husband, oh, God, not that again. Really, can we not just get the beans? <laughs> uh, but once, honestly, once you put on your misogyny goggles, you will never take them off again. You will see it everywhere. Um, and toys that are targeted at kids, you know, so here's these magnets that are, you know, for girls, clothes, hairbands, sparkle, fairies, makeup. Uh, but the boys are swinging and running and being active, being out in the treehouse. Um, and again, that message from very young, you know, boys are, are active, they're leaders, they're doers, and girls are just to be looked at and to be watched and to be observed. Um, and I was at an International Women's Day event in Glasgow, run by the Glasgow EIS, um, on International Women's Day, um, when I was sitting at the table of primary age kids. And I asked the girls, you know, do you think it's, it's difficult growing up as a girl? Do you think it's harder than growing up as a boy? And if it is, what, what's hard? And when we get hand shot up, uh, she was 11 years old, she said, it's hair. It's hair. See having long hair? You've got to brush it every day. It's tangled. You've got to make sure it looks good every morning before school. It's such a drama. And I thought, oh my goodness. At 11 years old, you've already decided that your hair is the big concern every day, you know. And I'm not belittling that child in any way. I feel solidarity with her. You know, I've got short hair because it's easy to manage. But I just thought, goodness, you know, she's already thinking about how she looks and she's 11 years old and that's her biggest <coughs> concern. Those girls were all bright, they were articulate, they were full of energy, they had loads to see, so you know, it gave me hope for the future, uh, but they're already feeling a bit constrained. And you get magazines that say, you know, girls, here's the fashion you'll love, you know, think about your dream hair, have your, uh, your first kiss, and wake up pretty, and boys have been told, explore your future, you know, you can invent things, you can do anything, look at this microscope, look at this jet plane that you can um, uh, go fly. So this twin track, um, and it's not quality, it's not equity, and it's not excellence. Um, and they also see, I think young people don't consume traditional media as much as um, the older generation, but they see it, they're exposed to it, it's around, it's in the supermarket, it's in the coffee table at home, you know. Um, and the traditional media basically say women who have power um, are kind of anomalies, women shouldn't really have power. So actually, never mind Brexit, who one likes it? You know, look at these women who are exercising power and control, but actually the most important thing about them is their legs. Um, I've never seen a photo of Tony Blair's legs or David Cameron's legs or Jacob B. Smog's legs. It's not very great thought. The shoes equally, you know, you know, look at this. Nicholas Sturgeon's trying to outshoe Theresa May. And you just think, really, really, is this the most important thing at the time of constitutional crisis that we want to know what they're wearing? Um, and of course, Donald Trump was elected as president having openly confessed basically to sexual assault. Um, so all of this kind of culture that, you know, what women, what women do isn't as important as what they look like. You know, that's why it's okay to Photoshop Nicola Sturgeon's face onto Miley Cyrus' picture because, you know, it's not that important. Women really don't matter that much. Um, and this kind of whole theme of undervaluing women, again, we hear these sort of things, you know, Andy Murray is, you know, you've achieved so much. You're the first person to win these gold medals, aren't you? And he said, well, actually, no. Um, Venus and Serena did it first. Uh, but he has to point that out. Um, and when George Clooney got married to this amazing barrister, human rights barrister, uh, we only saw one media outlet taking this slant, you know, that an internationally acclaimed barrister has married an actor. You know, mostly it was like, she is so lucky she's bagged himself this chap. No, he is so lucky he has bagged himself this incredible he knows, woman. He knows so, oh, he knows. <laughs> <laughs> um, so why do we focus in on these kind of, you might think, like low-level things, you know, the jokes, media headlines, clothes, does that really matter? Well, um, a philosopher who was trying to understand how something as terrible as the Holocaust could ever have happened um, 
developed a scale called the Allport scale, which is about the links between kind of low-level um, hateful language, hateful speech, hateful behaviours, uh, objectification, dehumanisation, and then the more uh, dangerous behaviours of violence, and then ultimately murder. Um, and uh, lots of thinkers have since adapted the Allport scale to look at all sorts of other forms of prejudice and discrimination. So just as it applied to anti-Semitism, you know, leading to kind of concentration camps, leading to murder, then equally you can look at um, sexist and homophobic and transphobic and uh, racist language as a kind of platform for creating all the other kinds of forms of abuse. So you then have gender roles and stereotypes and then that makes it easier to kind of harass people and threaten them and abuse them and take the mick out of them and then that makes it easier to, to step into that kind of physical violence rail and ultimately it makes it easier for women to be more expendable than men um, and that's why we get two women every week being murdered in the UK by a partner or an ex-partner um, and yet real, like, no great outcry about that because it's just part of the complexity of the society and yet actually we should be absolutely outraged by that. Um, so we are very concerned about the dangerous consequences of misogyny. We set them out in the, the Get It Right for Girls booklet. So consequences such as bullying and harassment, gender policing, the anxiety and stress that, that it can cause, and you're all aware of the mental health crisis, I think, among young people, um, the inequality in the economy, uh, the violence and abuse that women and girls can face, and that kind of under-representation of public life. And we all know that um, you know, when you're not at the table making the decisions, you end up on the menu. So you know, women's lives are not part of the decision-making about uh, power. And it's interesting to reflect on what Mr Swinney said about uh, the culture in schools. And maybe some of the culture in schools would have been different if more women had been at senior management level helping to make some of the decisions about how things operate. Um, so there are tons of drivers for positive practice. So we've got the Equality Act, Girlfate, for Excellence. Uh, Scotland's embedding the UNCRC into its law. The GTC standard speaks to equality and justice. Uh, the Scottish Government's got an equally safe strategy on violence. Trade unions are doing their bit. Uh, there's loads of stuff locally happening. Um, so there's a plethora of stuff happening. Um, and we've got lots of strategies for tackling it. Um, and I've set them out in the slide and they're in your handout and they're in the booklet, so I won't elaborate. But I would say probably the key thing we would say is it's about open discussion. It's about confronting that misogyny exists that it is actually much more prevalent than we like to think, um, and actually talking about it and confronting it and having regular open discussions about it, not kind of thinking, well, you know, Nicola Sturgeon's first minister and Malala won the Nobel Prize, women and girls are doing great, everything's fine now, let's not talk about it. So that's um, probably where I would leave you. Uh, a better world is possible. You know, someone reimagined that magazine as what it would look like if we were in a better world. You know, so it would be girls dreaming of their best career, not the best hair, um, or their best you, or thinking about you know, the good they can do in the community. Um, so people you know, are creatively thinking of better worlds out there. You're all working for it every day, I'm quite sure. Um, let's have that conversation about how we can get there. Um, so my contact details are on the presentation. As I say, I'll arrange for that to be circulated. Um, if you wouldn't mind just having a minute or two just now talking among yourselves about any kind of immediate thoughts or reflections, um, and then Aileen's going to share some thoughts and practice, and then importantly, you've got to speak to each other. Okay? So thanks very much. Hi.